0: Some of the big um, interests there are in spiritual practice are often involved around um, what do we do in the world, and uh, and also how do we act as a recognition of lots of difficulties and problems and the basic problem, the kind of brutality uh, of uh, human civilization towards other human beings. Towards life forms, towards the ecosystem. It's really, you know, it's it's hardly uh, an esoteric piece of information. And also, people feel uh, very often in meditation or in spiritual circles, we would like to call it spiritual, but in terms of where they're looking for growth, uh, warm-heartedness. Uh, Sense of ease, <coughs> uh, uh, sense of joy, um, sense of friendship, you know, definite heartfulness required. Though, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know it's in Buddhism, you've got a kind of wisdom teaching, wisdom. Uh, it's just these words, often people, yeah, they're interesting wisdom, but wisdom can sometimes sound very heady. Yeah, We've had all the ideas, yeah, there's huge amounts of acquired knowledge and uh, in- intelligence, and yeah, it isn't really providing the answers because we've used so much of this intelligence to beat everything else up, <laughs> find better ways to dominate and destroy everything else. So actually this isn't wisdom <laughs> this is stupidity it's it's using the intellect but it's not using it in a grounded or balanced way <coughs> and uh, the aspects of the Buddha are worth recollecting the wisdom, compassion and purity so purity in terms of conduct there's no greed, no hatred no delusion wisdom in terms of the depth. Of penetration of of the mind, uh, human mind, uh, uh, and compassion, the the skill in uh, formulating teachings uh, uh, to to uh, help people, to help people guide themselves. So this is the. And the willingness to to give a whole lifetime to doing just that, mm. so, and because the, the Buddha's emphasis really was on, on not setting up so much uh, social programs, but on actually giving teachings that would free the human mind. He said, "Of all the good things that you could know, there are many good things I do know. What I'll teach you is just these." what we we'll call the handful of leaves the bit that you might not get yourself and the bit that will unlock the key to the rest of it so you know how to use your intelligence how to use your your, your compassion how to use your generosity how to use it wisely how to use it right how to use your attention wisely where to put it how to develop it how to provide yourself with the resources that's needed to sustain uh, quality of attention as much of the um, and this means that also the need for uh, deepening purity because uh, a huge amount of stuff that people do happens more or less as reactions and reflexes people get frightened, people get threatened they start getting angry and violent You know, it's just reflexes start happening you, do, you, get, you threaten a mouse it will get angry and violent and human beings when they get angry and violent uh, you know, same sorts of principles so can we the purity and the wisdom aspect is to really get down to these reflexes where we get greedy and ignore each other and demanding and uh, callous and why those reflexes which are actually ignoble, painful and uh, We don't. Sometimes we certainly wouldn't like to really acknowledge them in ourselves. These are embedded reflexes. If we could clear get clear this out, yeah, then he's saying then you know the the um, all this resource of human beings, the qualities of that are then available. Where would they go? What else do you do if you're not wanting something for yourself? If you're not Needing something, if you haven't got some um, um, something you want to get out of the world. Then naturally, all that resource is going to be into backing up this uh, emotional resonance that we have. The, uh, what I call the anukampati—the sense in which, even you know, well even but Buddhas acknowledge—they have this sense of seeing beings and there's immediately some kind of recognition. We empathize with stress, suffering, confusion, and something else is moved by that. And then, if we can find a way to help, we will do that. Uh, so the Buddha certainly didn't hang back in doing that. He slept apparently two hours a night for 50 years, uh, and spent the rest of his time uh, doing that. Even on his deathbed, age of 80 80 years old with dying of uh, colic and dysentery he he recognised that there was somebody nearby who who needed some teachings and he had one more day to live so in that one day 80 years old, dying of dysentery he dragged himself up and walked to the village where he knew this person would be so that on his deathbed he could give teachings to this person and you know as he was lying down dying he said if anybody's got any questions ask (laughs) and if you're too embarrassed or bashful to ask the question get someone else to ask it for you, don't hang back you know so like you know the last last possible mind moment is spent in that particular way because what else is there to do anyway you know So I think this is, uh, yeah. and yet the Buddha didn't have a kind of you know, mission as such, apart from just to, to allow this potential to come forth and to help people to unlock their own. And then of course you, we can pick up, we can work out for ourselves systems and structures and pick up many good ideas to, to bring that into practice. The sense of warm-heartedness it seems to be uh, another uh, crying need for people, particularly in the West, because of the, uh, say, the degradation of the social environment, it tends to means a lot of contact is pretty brusque, flat, uh, not shared, not empathic, functional, purposeful, <coughs> get something done. You know doesn't actually meet and share and you see um, particularly uh, you know in the 20th century I suppose particularly these disastrous global wars both of which utterly almost completely wrecked uh, western civilization Uh, Europe was just a battered ruin after both of them and uh the feeling of this, uh, uh, you know, the, the whole um, technological military machine is grinding on, with human beings being pulped by it. And certainly, in in my time, my youth, and so forth, there was a lot more interest in could we be, could there be a softer? More colourful, more playful, less driven, less mechanical uh, way to to be. Uh, you know, we use things like love and peace and and uh, something that's just a bit more uh, present moment uh, sharing. There's a lot sort of communal living in the 60s. There's that kind of growth of that. There's a real interest in in just in just having a more uh, empathic and shared uh, state of being I mean, there's a huge amount of, sort of delusion in that and lack of resources in how to bring that around and uh, this is associated loosely speaking with the, what, what is often called the feminine principle yeah. so you know people now are very much more attracted to Quan uh, Yin and female uh, models uh, feminine models Gaia. Female kind of name for uh, kind of an earth goddess. Um, and it's, that it's like a sign that the heart, it's something that's crying out for something that's not just uh, a driven, mechanical, functional purpose get it done, knock it out, bash it down, it's all dead anyway. <laughs> Attitude to life. <laughs> <coughs> You know, towards the planet and uh, eventually towards ourselves where we end up kind of just bashing it, dri- driving ourselves into the dirt as well, it gives be something more tender and sharing and you know you, one senses, senses this this continual theme coming up time and time again on the macrocosmic level of the the planet and you know people chaining themselves to trees and and this woman who lived up in a tree Julia Butterfly <laughs> lived up in a redwood tree for two years just to protect it you know, this kind of sign of the of uh, the feminine uh, you know. and you know, feminine that's not effeminate but very is capable of being resilient uh, committed, courageous and so forth it's kind of an attractive um, uh, archetype of the time And we see this internally, it's that uh, you realise that, well I realise anyway, that a lot of the <coughs> you know, problems that come from a, a kind of uh, strategies and, and psych- psychologies that are about performance, competition, achieving goals, getting things done, rather than quality of being in the present moment. and. The, and a shared sense of being in the present moment something that's capable of being empathic yeah so we get this sense and this in fact comes right back not just how we relate to each other and the planet but how you know, we to relate to ourselves sometimes on retreats particularly it becomes one is suddenly shocked with the realisation of how utterly <coughs> loveless one can be towards oneself how demanding how critical how mean uh, one can be to oneself as if this this very uh, there's a mirroring of the de- degradation in the physical environment and the social environment is mo- is mirrored by a degradation of the internal environment and these are both these environments are ruled by this, this the tyrant the demanding ungracious uh, tyrant figure it's, you know like a kind of a Satan figure. So uh, and actually, you know, in terms of, of practice, you really we really are encouraged to perhaps to acknowledge the how this quality stalks and haunts our lives uh, as a piece of programming, piece of programme. It gets socialised in by the uh, demand for performance that starts at increasingly earlier age. You know, people at the age of 16 are already, you know, getting into nervous breakdowns because they've got to make sure they get their up degrees, they get better and better results, so they can, so forth, be a, a quote, success. You know, get to be a nervous wreck by the age of 29 instead of taking 10 more years to get there. <laughs> You know, and then along with that comes comes the drink and drugs problems that people just to try and just kind of uh, blot out these kind these uh, these uh, driven energies. People just have to seek oblivion to to cut loose of that. So these are the kind of uh, um, to me these are some of the dominant issues that that uh, come up for uh, us in our own minds. And in our relationships with other human beings, uh, can we share, can we (coughs) empathize, do we have to dominate, can we have an easy, friendly, warm relationship that's not abusive, and of course to other creatures and to the planet in general. So of course, cool, cool, you know, you can see the, the vastness of that, you know, of all the topics can be in there. And uh, in, the, in Buddhism, you've got this handful of leaves, so rather than all the leaves in the forest. You've got a couple of keys. And essentially, the sense is that all of this uh, damage—it uh, didn't come from anywhere else except minds. <coughs> and if we can work on the mind, then all the beauty can come from the mind. Beauty we may have even forgotten that was possible. First thing is to remember it is possible. So you have, you know, images of awakened beings, images that you can feel inspired by as it is possible. There is this uh, vastness, this beauty, this this compassion, this purity. is, is possible. <coughs> and then the pragmatism to how do you, how do you unlock that? the Buddha actually wasn't that. In, wasn't an idealist wasn't really interested in, in ideals um, but interested very much in the nuts and bolts of how do you unlock it how do you unlock the potential hmm. and with that, so there's a fundamental faith that actually you don't have to make people into anything all you have to do is, is stop them messing themselves up and then the good, you know, the basically the human birth is a good one. If you stop messing it up, it it does good. You don't have to kind of say go out and do good. <laughs> so much is just sort of re- recognize the, the misery that comes from not doing good, and the sense of that it doesn't have to be this way. You know, we we could we could it can happen. It can uh, it could, we can go another way, unlocking the quality of intention, and this is exactly what. Karma is based upon the truth of teachings of karma. Is that uh, good intention happens by itself, Um, but there has to be the intention that unlocks that potential. And this is sometimes the bit that's less uh, uh, ideal, less easy to 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 idealise. Or to form an image around, because it's it's like a key, you know. It's it sometimes there's knobbly bits and spiky bits on it and hard bits on it, and you've got to know how to turn the key. Mm. And um, this is uh, somet- sometimes this key can be described in various ways. Uh, the seven factors of awakening is probably a uh, very useful and <coughs> very useful way of describing that. It's essentially a, a, a very deeply enriched form of awareness, and it's enriched by de- a range of factors, which give it both um, clarity and depth and uh, uh, empathy it's kind of joyful quality it's, uh, it's both got we might say the, the, uh, uh, the classic kind of defining quality of the, of the intellect the ability to see clearly to say this is this this is that this is this. it also has this we might call the more feminine aspect of the, the joyful the empathic the felt uh, uh, uplifted mind and um, it, it carries all these tones to it so it's this deeply enriched awareness that we begin to to, to um, cultivate and also allow to develop. And you've got various various ways to do that: the practices of uh, metta, kindness, compassion, and so forth, are, uh, and also the practices of of samadhi, concentration awareness of the body and you can blend those (coughs) because all of these work upon the nature of of intention metta itself is not not an emotion or a sentiment or an ideal it's actually an intention it's a quality of intention it means there is an an intention which is uh, free from is free from hatred and ill will, uh, noble, uncramped, unbounded to others as to myself. And that's the way all the qualities of heart are described. Compassion, uh, appreciative joy, and equanimity. They are um, unbounded, measureless. They don't have limits. Um, they're uncramped. There's no sense of cramp in them. Uh to others as to myself, there's no differentiation in that sense. Um, they're exalted, they're uplifted. There's a sense of of strength, of vigour to them, vitality, vibrancy to them. You know, we might say this is the the, the loosely speaking, the feminine principle in its strength and its its vast scope. This is a quality of intention. Intention is the is uh, the agent of karma. That is anything that intention is not just the, it's not purely the English word intention. That is, I intend to do my laundry tomorrow. Intention is the is that rush, that movement of energy, whenever you actually do something. Yeah. So when you go to stand up, yeah, when you stand up, and you actually go to do it, something goes. You feel this energy move into your body, and, and your, your muscles come alive, and you lift, stand up. That movement, before the muscles actually start acting, that movement of the mind, that's intention. Yeah. So, you know, if you do if you do walking meditation, you stand, stand still, and then you turn around, and you're going to walk. And just at that particular moment when you're about to walk, just stop. Don't move. Relax. And then, I'm going to walk. And then just before you start to walk, stop, relax. And you realize something happened there. There was a sort of a lighting up kind of shift of energy just that was just happening from your mind a message was sent that started to activate your body and then you, you relaxed that and you picked it up again so that's an intention it's a kind of jitana. it's a particular volitional push that happens yeah so whenever we do anything physically and even when we think something you know when you get when you think when you deliberately think something ah you get this kind of a certain shift of energy ah your little light bulb goes on your head that's it it's that sort of movement that's an intention and those intentions can be marked by uh... love Compassion, you want to help this person, you want to do something good. Aspiration, and you know, really do my best, lift up. Can be marked by uh, aversion uh, to get even with that person, yeah, or whatever it is. You know, some marked with that quality. You can actually scent, feel these things. You examine the intention. When you feel angry, you feel bitter, you feel jealous. You can actually taste. Like the quality of that intention, that energy moves, and you can feel the quality of it. it's kind of tight, cramping, um, different. Yeah. Um. So, it's very useful to just be able to uh, contemplate in, in what you do, in your movements, in your actions, with your washing up, just to be in touch with that quality that arises just as you're about to do something and you stay with that and see is it first of all marked with aversion or non-aversion is it marked with uh, uh, is it flustered is it panicky is it marked with uh, vigilance That you're really attentive or is it marked with a kind of uh, you know running on automatic where, where it's blurred, fuzzy, confused so you can actually the aim in practice is to Is to be to some clarity around intention, first of all, is the fundamental thing to at least know what it is. Because for um, you know, very few people. The world is in, planet is rather a mess, and society is rather a mess. I imagine there's very few people who've actually thought. I think I'll go out and mess the world up yeah, that's what I'll do I'll pollute everything, destroy everything make life miserable for everybody else, including myself yeah. that's what it is. I think, No, is I'll make things better <laughs> I find it's a fantastic way of making more of this, more of that less of this, less of that, cure this, sort that fix that, improve life yeah. so the idea you know, sounded like a good thing the intention was marked with delusion you yeah. Lack of real uh, insight, understanding. And uh, it's very easy for the thinking mind to lose contact with uh, the empathic heart uh, and to believe in itself. So, you know, so that's why you've been really aware of intentionality. You recognize that Western civilization is largely been under the influence of the God of love for 2,000 years as as a religion you know love thy neighbor as thyself thou shalt not kill (laughs) and so forth (laughs) (laughs) these are great yeah these are right on (laughs) (laughs) funny it's like it's gone wrong there didn't it you know Look at the fine print. <laughs> love and to so provided he's not uh, Jewish, uh, Muslim, uh, getting in the way. Uh <laughs> and then, well, you love him, but you kind of destroy him for his own good, really. Because <laughs> you know, eventually it will help him. Oh, oh right. we will go to heaven if you, if you burn him at the stake. It will purify him. Oh, yeah, okay. It's a good idea. It's a nice way of doing it, isn't it? Know. So you'd know, be really careful of ideals, <laughs> and religions in general, because <laughs> everybody comes out with these things, don't they? You li- listen to a politician; they're all coming out with freedom, democracy, justice for everybody. <laughs> means you're going to bomb somebody to hell, but never mind. <laughs> collateral damage—you don't bomb anybody anymore. It's just uh, collateral damage. regrettable for freedom, peace and justice and democracy and better world safer for all yeah so it's clearly uh, something's gone way out of touch we don't need any more of this stuff just need to be very, very clear and in touch with uh, the quality of what we really are bringing forth. Not what it sounds like, not what the words on the sheet are, what really we are bringing forth. Oh. And uh, also, why can it sometimes be so difficult when you're sitting quietly and you want to bring forth something just like genuine uh, kindness? towards yourself isn't that uh, shocking we're in the grip of these negative programs or the mind gets gripped by these negative programs by its way of viewing and assessing and considering that are out of control this is you know So this is uh, what is meant by sankara. Sankara is a very difficult word to translate. I'll use the word patterning for it. This means that uh, every intention, if you can witness it, almost like if you're uh, like a little track of energy running down the nerve endings, you know. And, uh, if so you keep shooting them in that way, they form a track. They form a track. So it becomes the habitual bent of one's intention becomes that way. That track is called a sankara. It's a pattern. And what it does is like if you, you know, if you build a road, so you build a road. Cars go down that road. Sooner or later, you've got to make the road wider get more cars down it. So you have this enormous highway and it eventually all the traffic then goes down that road. So Sankara means means that you, you something, a kind of path or a highway gets built where your intentions keep running in a particular way and all your thoughts travel down that road. They don't know any other road, really. They can think other roads, but they don't only travel down one particular road, because that's the road that's been built. Other roads haven't been built. So we can think loving kindness. That's the car. What road is it travelling down? I should be more have more loving kindness. I'm not loving I'm not loving enough. I'm a lousy person because I'm not loving enough. I should be more loving I'm a bad guy because I don't love enough, you know. It's traveling down the the highway of of hatred, isn't it? (laughs) With love written on the bumper, but it's traveling down the highway of (laughs) of despair and hatred and so forth. (laughs) So the the point is, you don't need to uh, really build, build a new car. This need to build some different highways. So, you know, and this we begin to It's well okay, you know, what was the word what does love mean in this sense this sense of to others as to myself, uncramped, free from hatred and ill will, lofty, measureless abiding it means it's it's spacious. It's, imp- it's the first thing, you adopt Just the basic sense of empathy. You've got to just go check in with yourself. How is it? How is it? And when you say yourself, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? Yeah. Well, you know, you get the the sense of the mind is both in its, its impulses, the patterning that's there, how that's experienced in the bodily sense. How it's experienced energetically, the kind of emotional patterns that are happening. We're talking about that lot, you know, the overall mass of that, the running on mass of that that we identify with, the chitta, the mind. Check in with it. How do you check in with it? you are got to find somewhere where you can stand and check in with it. So we say, well, you know, the body is both near enough to, to, to respond to it, and yet just at that, that little necessary step away that you don't just get thrown into it. So you're finding a place in, your, in the bodily sense where you can actually feel those mental, emotional, psychological patterns as they're running and yet you can also sense hey, here's the ground, here's the breathing, here's the bit where there isn't running. Here's the pressure in my feet, here's the... Uh, Sense in my hands. Here's my shoulders, and it's not, you know. Here's the bit where those negative patterns aren't running, and maybe sometimes they are running. You know, you can feel them in your throat. You can feel them in your head. But you find a place in your body where they're not running. You know, it could be the end of an out breath. When I say a place, I don't necessarily mean a physical place. I mean it could be a place in time in your body, like the place when I breathe out place at the beginning of my in-breath the place when I walk and I feel this sort of sense of lightness or movement you know. so you know it's it's place, time occasion a Ramana, mood, sense where you're okay you know. and it's there where you, you touch in and it's from there you can begin to address these sankaras you've got a place to really see or witness or feel the the stress or the negativity or the tension. And particularly it's helpful when you begin to sense these, obviously you can label them as negativity or anxiety or insecurity or whatever. Uh, And all that has its own validity. We really just want to get this simple sense with these practices of metta Loving kindness compassion is cramped, so it's freedom from it's uncramped, uplifted, boundless. So something that's cramped, crushed down, or not uplifted, and narrow, you know, <laughs> that's where you want to kind of loosen up. When you see it in these energetic terms, you begin to recognise it's it's actually then you're, you're getting down to the basis where there's not a lot of story anymore it's just a sense of can there be uh, a a less cramping intention towards this an intention that doesn't shove, push, judge dominate, carve up Uh, you know it's a, it's a, a feminine intention which is just to be present be spacious share, be with to be with it yeah. in this heartful way and that's it really it's a lot because the funda- fundamentally it's to, to, to be with without getting into the spin of it, without getting into the I should and I shouldn't and how long is it going to take and why am I and so forth mm. to, to be with it uh, with all the time that it takes, you know, these um, images of compassion. There's always a sense of, you know, like the somebody was ta- asking about the Bodhisattva ideal as a, as an icon. This is a very is a useful thing to, to have as, uh, as an image, as an ideal, the sense of forever. I'm prepared to be here forever with this. Yeah. In that sense, that is, we're not measuring time and when you do that intimately pressure drops the need to be something other than you are drops and this cramping starts to release and in fact you know firstly you may feel not a whole lot better but just feel a kind of um, all sorts of stuff can come flowing up might feel quite disoriented, but you acknowledge <coughs> there's, a, there's a relinquishment of this pressure to be and have and get and control and get on top of something. This I have released stress to this degree. Yeah. So you've you started to turn the key, the door isn't open, you just start to turn the key. You recognize who is the key and you've made some difference. Suddenly. I guess it's all right to be a bit of a mess, you know. Yeah. And then, okay, can I can I be present with this? Can I, the, and making that something so you're actually more emphasising the ability to be present, empathic with, you know, rather than to have fixed something, changed it, and then actually the nature of the Buddha's realisation is well things change they do it by themselves don't they I mean is there anything that doesn't change it doesn't change because we keep putting the same negative input into it unconsciously that's why that's why Sangsara goes on and on and on it's not some cosmic law it's because that ninety percent of our energy is into powering it, <laughs> keeping it going. It's not somewhere out there, you know. <laughs> it's just so much of one's energy gets bound up in sustaining this whole kind of mass of, of stress and confusion. <laughs> So just consider the amount of energy that's used in winding oneself up, beating oneself up, mulling over the past, regretting the past, feeling uncertain about the future, getting bored, wondering this, that, and the other. You know, just how much stuff is, ki- is how much energy is used to support all this stuff that's going nowhere, any good, and there's an awful feeling of how Helpless it all is. The first key is just to find the place where there's this uncomfortable acknowledgement, <laughs> and there's something about you know the quality of intention that is able to acknowledge. So you're looking at quite small things. Now, if you've say you know one of the things about quality of intention is now you know if you've done something wrong that you know you shouldn't have done, and then finally say, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell somebody about this." Shit, you know, and you go and tell somebody about it, and it, that's good, isn't it? Somehow does that not having to cloak, hide, furtive, gnash around, you know, it's, even though it's painful and awkward and embarrassing uh, emotionally uncomfortable, that suddenly you've blown it as it were there's, if you look at that, it's uncomfortable if you look at the sense of it's off my chest then there's a brightness there the sense of, there's some dignity there's some clarity, there's some nobility and it's uh, as the Buddha says we consider it an enormous development to acknowledge transgressions. So this is considered a a leap forward in this dispensation, in this teaching and training, to be able to acknowledge transgressions. You know, and he says, once you've done that, then that's that's the end of the story. You know, there's no sense of, you know, you're forgiven automatically because you feel it yourself. You don't actually... um, you know, need a lot because you can feel that sense of relief, and then you think, okay, well now you know you don't do that, do you? Right? Because actually, this feels better and cleaner and clearer, and you know, so there's something about that ability to to just acknowledge even um, mistakes that we've made in our lives. That is, there's, there's a brightness there. And certainly, you know, one. We have to work on this in various ways, you know. And part of the sense of the the wisdom teachings helps because it's saying actually, all this stuff where where there's this sense of, you know, moods and depressions and grumpiness and greediness, actually, isn't even yourself. You know, this is just programs running based on confusion, ignorance. If you don't acknowledge it, it seems like yourself. It seems like what you are. You know, whatever you label it, it still feels like you. And it's the one that you go to bed with at night. And there it is. It's the one that wakes you up in the night. It's the one that when the music stops, you suddenly feel yourself being. And, you know, that's the way it's going to be, unless there is this acknowledgement. And then when there's the acknowledgement, the sense of I could acknowledge and that's how we start to turn it and from that place of acknowledgement you begin to get the ability to realise and experience some compassion for the confused reactivity that has we've got into because what else can you, you know, if, if you if you're not being brought up by a enlightened being, there's a good chance that a certain amount of what you take on board will be a bit confused, <laughs> yeah. and if you're not living in some Buddha land, then there's a good chance that what you're picking up from the society will be various messages that are that are confused and ignorant. So, you know, it's just programming patterns and programming sankaras but they become you if there isn't that ability to the first intention the first intention is the intention <laughs> intention to step back and witness intention and that's the karma that leads to the end of karma that's the intention that leads to the ending of intention it starts to lead to the ending of unskillful intentions As you see, this goes nowhere, it's ugly, it's unworthy of me, I don't need to be in this. And, um, you know, and in the sense of the healing and the compassion and the empathy for the, the. which comes when we begin to experience ourselves as pain. As these. see, these unskillful patterns of fear, greed, Jealousy, mistrust, and so forth. They're not just, you know, unskillful equals morally wrong. They're actually painful. Nobody feels good with them. You know, they, they, they drag you down. They're, they're painful. and you begin to come out of the sort of more judgmental attitudes, you just begin to sense this as just pain. Various forms of stress, fear, flusteredness. Confusion, insecurity, uh, struggle, frustration, despond, uh, uh, need this is just pain. This is the you know the body of pain. It's very direct, you see. Now when any of us really touches pain, really touches it. Directly, nakedly, Mm. there is a sense of compassion. Mm. Mostly what gets in the way is the various skins we develop over this pain body to stop it hurting too much. You get a blister over it, it's called myself. And what I am, what I should be, and I'm really o- you know, I'm really okay, i just make it, you know, but basically... You know. So that's the bit that d- doesn't need to directly touch the pain. Because it always says, it's got history, it's got analysis, it's got ideas, it's got identities, it's got, it was his fault and so forth. It's got all this stuff going on, which is, yeah, you know, it's got some truth in it. But it's not direct. So you don't get the same sense of direct kindness, compassion, because... It can't get in there, you know. There's too much bluster, too much defense, too much. Uh, sankara is actually a shielding, ignorance, shielding, which isn't. Ignorance isn't lack of information, it's an inability to directly touch or feel something. It's a kind of numbing out, which first acts almost as a protection, you know around the awkwardness and insecurity of our lives you get this kind of protective, it actually protects, it takes the edge off it, but it also takes the awareness and the ability to respond out of it that's why we're really peeling away <coughs> that so we can more directly touch it and if you start to speak to this stuff as, as just very simply just as pain you know, trouble Distress, dukkha, would have called it, then there's a resonance. Yours, hers, his, theirs, mine, part. It's the same thing. It's the same body. (laughs) So the self bit doesn't really. It doesn't, you know it's kind of a side issue really but you know in a way that the main thing is that the, the you've got to intimately experience it so you experience it in this place because this is where there's the real intimacy to, to sense that you're very direct and then the Yeah, then there's a quality of of, uh, acknowledgement and uh, this empathic sense. And again, you know, there can be a relief with that and also some disturbance. Suddenly feel a bit powerless because most of my structures have been around getting and making and doing and Fixing and getting on to the next thing, and suddenly I'm in this kind of naked state. I feel you know a bit sad and confused and wounded. You know, I don't like that at all. <laughs> so you know, then just you build up the quality of mindfulness, which is a sense of just bearing it in mind. Mindfulness is the ability to sustain attention. You know, lengthen your attention span without. Discursive thought. Without discursive thought. So you just stay with that and you don't have to add more thoughts to it, just be present. Mindfulness. Uh, so, what I've actually described where is this, uh, this ongoing between mindfulness and investigation which are the first two enlightenment factors you really start to investigate into this troubled experience till you get to the the felt core of it which is dukkha and it's felt uh, just as dukkha not as stories, scenarios, histories, problems just as this uh, and then, you, you know, sustaining mindfulness over that. And it's often this is where the sense of of, uh, of uh, a boundless mind, a boundless heart, is needed on the on the empathic level. And it, but it builds up. You don't know, start off with a boundless heart, but this is what grows it for you. This is the grit that grows the pearl. They don't grow any other way. <laughs> the real stuff. You know? mm. It's just by bearing with, getting to the point, and bearing with. In this, you don't give up on yourself. You don't give up on yourself. You you keep empathically attuned to yourself. And it grows, it definitely grows. So that's persistence, third enlightenment factor, tenacity, you know. With these cultivations there's there's definitely you know out of this mix which can be quite confusing at times meditation retreats are often quite disorienting <coughs> meditation practice is quite confusing because you know, we, we get into places we, when we're not ourselves and our normal selves and normal self structures don't work and you say well, you know you've got to learn this from the basement up and the basic thing you know is to stay there be mindful. Investigate. Keep the spirit of kindness, boundlessness, compassion, present. Learning happens by itself. You learn it in the school of realism. And there's definitely times when uh, the this stops. These hindrances uh, stop, and there's experience of uplift. Rapture. P D. This is likened to the traveller crossing the desert who sees the lake in the distance. They know, you know they're coming to the, the end of their journey. You know, they're coming to the place where they can get some refreshment. And they get they get into this lake, you get the gladness, and then it develops into rapture as you're just getting to touch that some of that stuff you start to drink it you drink it gets satisfied and it becomes tranquility you get s- eased you get a feeling of deep satisfaction. Um, and this is where it becomes kind of uh, well you know, I know a sniff of rapture in 15 years <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna know where to look because the very word itself sounds like you know ecstatic. And suddenly you, the curtain's drawn and you're out there and blissed out in ecstasy. It doesn't happen like that. For most people it doesn't happen like that. What you get is a sort of little, little bit of a lift. <laughs> means, you know, suddenly you're struggling away in four-wheel drive, dragging this thing along and then, hey, hey, that was all right. You know, like it suddenly the handbrake was off or, you know. The wheels weren't just turning in the mud, they actually moved forward. So, oh, what is it like not to be pushing, not to be struggling, not to be bogged down? There's a sense of some lift. You know. uh, and this is mostly immediately sensed in, uh, both in, in the mind, where the mind doesn't have to feel sl- slightly more open, and in the bodily sense, you get a refreshment in your body. And again, it can be quite momentary. It could be just at the end of an out-breath. You get a sense of, ah, no effort. Oh, it just happens. Your mind is now open to receive your meditation object. Because of that, open to receive, it's not trying to find, it's not clawing through these thoughts uh, and worries. Suddenly, that's not there and your mind just opens up. And that quality of opening is delightful, and you get kind of a little bit of lift. It's rather like if you have a boat beached in the sand, and the sea comes in, and as the first the waves just start to lick the hull, and then at a certain point, they just lift it an inch as they come in. It the boat doesn't get going; it just lifts it a little bit starts to you've seen that a boat is lying on its side and it starts to just get lifted by the sea that's the bit you can to look for and then you seek where that is then you can focus on that and enhance it gradually develop it or allow it to develop this is really where Sense of mindfulness of breathing is very useful because you've got a very close definition possibility with mindfulness of breathing, real kind of ability to pick up specific details, which is one of the resources that uh, one of the things it it skills it it develops. Whereas, say with uh, loving kindness and compassion, they are tend to be they're measureless and boundless but there isn't a lot of specific definition in them you know, that's part of their beauty in a way but when you use a bodily reference you've got quite specific moment-by-moment moment changes and that's how that gets it embodies that message of of benevolent intent easeful intent joyful intent uh, into, into how which you're you're hardwiring in your bodily sense and this tranquility develops samadhi develops and from this comes the evenness of the mind peka mind is then balanced Mm. these are in so this is actually quite skipped over the last bit because I think is enough you know in just the first three or four cultivation the rest of it tends to happen by itself once you've you've begun to see where the good bit comes from how the good bit arises how the release happens how the heart begins to touch liberation release liberation is not some abstract ideal it means very much the freedom from stress freedom from dukkha freedom of oppression. And it's this impre- oppression is synonymous with this self-view that encapsulates and incarcerates our potential in the historical package which is bound up with self-perpetuation and, and various forms of frustration and neurosis to put it mildly. <laughs> you know, it's always... <laughs> What are we going to do with ourselves? What are we going to make of ourselves? What should we do? What should we make, fix, become, develop? What should I be? What do other people think of me? What's my place (coughs) in the world? And so forth. It is just that it does that. Um, So even on when it's well-meaning, it's still frustrated and confused and in doubt. So it's the... The key is really to be able to actually just get this very naked acknowledgement of the uh, dukkha as we experience it. It's not necessarily always even anguish, so much as it can be just a feeling of don't know, you know, uncertain. What should I do? What should I be? Worried. Worry is a kind of uh, uh, a big, an anxiety. Worry. Uh, is a huge problem for people so it's like that it's this, this this thing that haunts us and eats up our energy in meditation particularly you become this is where each of us individually become more conscious to, of acknowledging the particular way our own sankharas are running our own patterns are running yeah, you know, because in a way, it's, it's the, the there's, there's certain basic similarities that they, they all have a sense of pain or limitation or crampness to them, but there can be ones that are about just worry, um, uncertainty, frustration. What you know, I want to do more than I can, um, can't help people. Uh, these kinds of feelings, as well as think things that are more bitter or dark or grief. Or sorrow or rage, whatever it is, these particular forms. Uh, another interesting thing to just bear in mind is that this, these awakening factors themselves take on a kind of personal form, subtle personal form. The Buddha always talked of these disciples, the Aryan disciples, as persons noble persons, it takes on a personal form it means that for you that will be formed by your grit yeah. so it takes on the kind of form that your particular problematic patterns catalyze in it yeah. it may be more of um, imbued with uh, a more emotional sense it may be more uh discernment sense it may be more a sense of you know, strength there are different qualities to it but it takes on a kind of a personal form, it's not a self it's important to recognise this because you, you, you can't these enlightenment factors are not um, abstract they're engendered in each and every one of us and they're engendered as response, as a skillful meeting with the very nature of our stress. That's how they're engendered. They don't just come out of a book like, "Okay, now you have mindfulness, now you have rapture, now you get meditation, here it is, this is it. No, it it happens, it's your own energy system that produces it, It produces it in these particular forms. So if you meet partic- different teachers, there can be teachers with a lot more <coughs> quiet and calm and you know, emphatic and firm, and we do this, and we do that very clear and nice and tidy and concise. Other people, others are kind of like, well, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, it's all a big joke anyway. <laughs> we we're more into the, found the more the kind of uh, expansive um, uh, quality. That's their, that's their form, that's the way it's happened for them the error is if you try and be like that you can find your own form you don't have to find it, you have to allow it to grow I means you respect other people's uh, forms of, of their awakening forms and it built out these same ingredients but it will take a particular form for you and there's something really interesting about that because it means we're actually being incredibly uh, specific and intimate and courageous. You have to be. You have to be like yourself. You have to be like yourself when you're really meeting yourself. That's it. That's that's where it is. That's where it is. When you when you're actually directly meeting your, your patterning, that's that's who you have to be and take faith and courage in that. That's where your enlightenment factors are going to grow. And these systems are just uh, systems to empower that. You know how your breathing works. How whether you want to use breathing. How your, how you develop loving kindness towards yourself be careful of these names and ideas as thoughts as, as kind of nicely cleanly defined labels uh, the mix is always personal felt curious and original and this is in fact actually what we need to bring into the world you know, in terms of our actions you yeah. so so you see if you become idealistic the tendency to get fundamentalist you know belong to the group if you notice most fundamentalist groups the idea is everybody's the same following the ethos the culture you know They're, they're kind of they're clones of the head dude you don't want to be you don't want to do that you know joining some kind of buddhist buddhist clique but to be unique specific individuals that's where you're going to bring your strength and your own uh, compassion really awakened into into your own life and into the lives of others a few people doing that would be really wonderful because then we're not trying to form some some outfit we're just saying this is about every human being being human real people so let's have a Few minutes break, and then we'll uh, have some sitting meditation.